Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. I believe in gifts wrapped in stinky paper. (laughs) And that part of the gift is unwrapping it. It can be some stinky business indeed. If I were to ask you to think of some of the worst experiences of your life and name for yourself a gift that came out of it, a benefit that came out of it, you might be able to do so. Grit, determination, empathy, compassion, curiosity. That is not to say that you would not trade that gift in order to have your loved one back. That you would not trade the gift in order to undo your big mistake or to take those words back or take that action back. It is not to say that oppression has benefits and teaches people a trade. (laughs) Let us be very, very clear. That's not what I'm talking about. Our theme this month is the gift of welcome. And I'm thinking about how we welcome the shadow self, both for us individually, our shadow self, the parts of ourself that we may not like and the parts that have happened to us that we've internalized in ways that are difficult and that benefit us, and both the collective shadow. And for me, this welcome means welcoming the gifts, the gifts wrapped in stinky paper. Now, I want to use, say first a word on language. I am uh, doing my best to use words like negative and positive instead of light and dark. Such connotations of light with positive and dark with negative add to implicit bias and support white supremacy culture even in quite unintentionally. And it's not, I don't want to be the language police. I want to be very careful about not being the language police. I'm just trying it and seeing can I use language and get the same effect out of it. And so I invite you to try that in your your own language. So David introduced us to Carl Jung, Swiss psychoanalyst who had great impact on the fields of psychotherapy and archaeology and literature and and great other areas of the way we understand ourselves as human beings. And Jung's concept of the shadow helps us learn to accept ourselves as complicated people, complete with good and harmful qualities. The shadow refers to the parts of the self that are not present in the conscious personality or ego, but instead are hidden away in the unconscious. These parts of ourselves that are 
repressed or neglected in the unconscious can wield tremendous power over us. It won't surprise y'all to know that I'm a person who likes to get things done. And I like to tell you how to get things done. I like to write out a plan, and I like to say, this is the plan, and it's a good plan. If I've written it down, it's a good plan. And I've just discovered something that is just really annoying, a piece of my shadow self. I don't like it if you don't like my plan. <laughs> Dad, gum it. I do not like it if you don't like my plan. I think I'd better go on sabbatical and work on that a little bit because I'm a little crispy around the edges. Being able to name and to know the parts that, that may come out sideways, right? If I am not aware of that humorous piece of my shadow self that doesn't show up in my, what I want to present as, as my good qualities, my positive qualities. If I'm not aware of that, then it's going to come out some sideways way. And, and some staff member will just get their head bitten off. Don't ask Mike why he's laughing. He, don't ask why he's laughing. <laughs> so, so the gift of welcoming both the positive and the negative parts of ourselves, of being open to unwrapping the stinky paper and looking at the parts that we would rather not, is that when I do that, I have less uh, chance that I'm going to hurt somebody unintentionally, right? So some folks consider that sadness or rage or laziness can be manifestations of the shadow. Now, a part of the collective shadow is our culture. Our culture is the demand to be happy and productive all the time. And if you're not, we have a consumer item that can help with that. <laughs> the shadow is culturally prescribed. What might be considered a shadow in one culture is not necessarily considered a shadow in another. So what and, and has con context in terms of time. A sense of laziness uh, or slothfulness. Listen to the, one of the seven deadly sins poking its head up there. May be completely reinterpreted in the light of uh, writer and activist Tricia Hershey's work as the nap ministry. The nap ministry, who says, you get to rest not because you've earned it, but because you were a human being and the body needs rest. And capitalism has told us that we must be productive all the time. And to rest because it's our birthright is countercultural. So naming that as a different way of embracing that sense of, if that's not shadow, I'm owning that, not as laziness. And if you think it's laziness, I don't care. <coughs> Dang, I do need a sabbatical. Crispy, <laughs> crispy. 
there are a couple of broad theological schools of thought that I want to lift up here. One is that everything happens for a reason and that something keeps happening until we learn a particular lesson. You've probably heard this, everything happens for a reason. I don't subscribe to that particular school myself. It strikes me as manipulative on the part of reality. Deterministic, predetermined. I prefer this theology that life happens Love happens, we cultivate it. Loss happens, unbearable loss happens. Disappointment happens. Negative and positive events occur and we make meaning of them. And in a congregational setting like this, a religious community like this one, we make meaning together. That's part of what we do together. There's a collective shadow as well, humanity's negative side. It can be thought of as the sum total of past and present atrocities, cruelties, tragedies, horrors perpetrated by humankind and stored at an unconscious cellular level. You folks are, you read the newspaper. Some of you are news junkies like I am. It is hard, it has been extraordinarily hard over the last four years, five years, always feeling like the next shoe was going to drop. And before that, and before that, and before that, what happens to those negative stories that make the headlines? Where do they go? They don't get replaced. And God forbid you're on next door, right? The social media platform that tells you what's happening in your neighborhood. Oy. It, that and the constant news feed of what's happening that's bad in the world. It goes somewhere and it doesn't go out when it's replaced. We don't replace it with other stuff. So I think it does get internalized to us. David has said that one of the reasons that we name humanism humanism, that we focus on the human animal, is not because we are the pinnacle of evolution, but because of our capacity for both good and ill in the world. The power of our collective shadow and the power that we have for collective good. It seems to me that to lift up humanism as if humans are the, the be-all and end-all or somehow replace what is holy and good in the world is to miss the mark of what's the, what's the top. We're not the pandemic virus showed us pretty well we're not the top, right? Insects outnumber us by billions and billions and billions. The bacteria in your body alone outnumbers you by billions and billions, right? We're not the top. But our capability for good and our capacity for evil 
make us unique on this planet. And so it seems to me that part of what we do here together is to make meaning of the world. We come here together out of our singular rooms to make meaning of the world and to help make it a better place. You come to me regularly with ideas for how to join up with each other and make it better for others. Your hearts are huge. I'm telling you, the stories you bring to me and your ideas just knock me down. It's humbling and inspiring what you can think up and what you make happen. And not individually. You don't come and say, hey, I want to do this one thing by myself. You say, hey, what if we did this? Hey, what if we did that? I'm telling you, idea generators you are. I imagine this as our meaning-making of this collective shadow, a gift wrapped in horribly stinky paper out of all the damage that human beings have done. You say, not anymore. You say, we will take a stand in the middle of it and speak to the power of love, speak to the power of what humanity is, po- is capable of. We take a stand for the positive power of humanity to reverse the damage at that cellular level. So we read to the children who come to school here, and we welcome refugees, and we cook, and we eat, and we sing, and we garden together, and we try to change laws, and we teach our children, and we knit, and we read, and we bike, and we play in the woods, and we cook, and we clean up, because this is how we participate in healing the collective shadow. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.